Okay, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast for another episode. Yes, it's a big week in golf, of course. Any week where there's a major knocking on our door is always a big week, but there's been plenty of other stuff happening in the world of golf, and we're here to talk to you about it. I've actually got a new co-panelist joining us tonight. Talk more about that in a second, but uh, looking forward to digesting everything around the US Open and everything else that's going on in the world of golf, and wow, isn't there still plenty going on? Uh, Let's talk about all of that and a little bit more about our special co-host that's joining us tonight. Stay tuned. We'll bring him in right now. Scott Carter, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. I I was going to say welcome to the podcast for the very first time, and I guess technically it is your first time as a guest, but it's certainly not your first time because you are one of our uh, loyal and faithful long-time listeners and I guess uh, contributors uh, that uh, really does chime in in the back of uh, back of house and back of scenes to what makes this podcast tick and the reason why we make it tick. So Scott, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you? Ah, thanks, Roscoe. Good to be here. I'm good, thank you, mate. Mate, it's great to have you, and um, you're filling a big role tonight. So not only is this a podcast where we're going to learn a little bit more about your love of golf, and uh, you've got a great story in your own rights, professionally, um, worked all around the world. We'll talk more about that in a second. But you're filling in the co-host chair as well um, and filling in for Mike. Now, uh, as we start, I'm just going to cover off on why Mike's not here, and um, it's not that Mike is not coming back, but Mike's having a, a bit of a, a sabbatical from the My Love of Golf podcast. I think in the recent weeks, you know, with all of the stuff that's gone on in the world of golf, vis-a-vis the Live, PIF, PGA Tour, all that stuff, you know, it's probably Mike agreed that it was best that he wanted to sit out of that and just not have that dominate his headspace. Um, he wants to contribute absolutely positively and it just wasn't really his his vibe and you know a couple of things probably contributed to not making his vibe probably last week's podcast where i talked to a pretty big twitter account about live and it was very live dominant uh his choice he'll be back someday sometime soon hopefully uh mike you will be listening to this um mate come yeah. back and talk mike um come back mike <laughs> mike come back because uh you know i can't talk to scott every week he, this, this is a one podcast deal so no yeah no i uh i'm definitely not here to try and fill the boots of uh the great mike Caridi. <clears throat> i will not have the data lake uh ready to go i will not be able to talk to the data lake like uh, like mike does but um but hey love the contribution that Caridi makes to this uh community so i'd love to see him back in some form um uh at some point it will happen now scott uh i talked about your love of golf um and it is it is yep. a very 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 deep love of golf there's probably not too many people and I've, you know i've met a lot of people who play golf and just sort of wrap themselves around the game you're you're in the top yeah you know, you're on the the podium uh you know you're position one two or three in the top people that i've met that are golf obsessed and uh i, I can recount the i can recall the first day that we ever ever met can you recall, yeah. can you recall that day I can, I can, mate. I accosted you, I think, in the uh, just outside the pro shop at Spring Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say accosted, but uh, it was it was a great. Uh, it was probably the first time that anyone ever stopped me at a golf course. I said, "Oh, are you Ross from the My Love Golf Podcast?" I went, mm, "Yeah." Yeah, and uh, yeah, that 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 was that was funny, mate. Like I, um, uh, I mean, I, I got introduced to my love of golf by um, by Charlie from. Um, Old Salty, when he was on, he, he sent me the, the pod and said, hey, you got to listen to this, Roscoe and these guys, and we're on, and blah, blah, blah. I said, cool, cool. 
And then when we came back, when I moved back to Australia and I was um, uh, just diving into golf and the golf industry and like, hey, is there some way I can find a job in the golf industry when I get back to Australia? And I thought, oh, I'm going to connect to this Ross uh, Flanagan guy and see, see what he's got to say. And then and then I literally saw your name on the tee sheet at Spring Valley um, when I was teeing off. And, uh, and then as I was leaving, I thought, oh, hang on, he's about to tee off. Oh my God! There he is. I'm just going to grab him. <laughs> oh, that's so but funny. mate, you, yeah, you, you were, uh, you were, you were um, very, uh, very helpful and courteous and uh, and friendly. So warm welcome. No, and it's been great to get to know you and play several rounds of golf down at your home of Golf Spring Valley. And uh, I think yeah. we said last week uh, that we played together at St Andrews Beach. It was your first time, so it was all, it's yeah, always amazing. Great. Always great to show someone a golf course for the first time. Uh, we played at Peninsula Kingswood um, with the great man Dylan Buckley. So we've had quite a few get-togethers yeah. and it's been great. Now, we mentioned there before, you know, your career in the sports industry and it's a global career. It's not just looking after a few things here in Australia. You know, you've been part of a very big organisation that's in the sports industry uh, and looked after a, a number of different parts of that uh, brand talk to us about your time at nike in uh, you know yeah. some of the roles some of the some of the great stories and just you know what it's like to be a uh, do you call yourself a shoe dog are you a shoe dog uh i guess i'm a little bit of a shoe dog yeah i'm definitely not like the og shoe dog that's for sure and there's way more people that are uh, better qualified and uh and yeah know more about it than me but yeah like i was i was so lucky to um to get a job at nike back uh, in 2003 in little old Sydney and um, um, and get the opportunity to work for the brand that I absolutely loved um, growing up. And, you know, all of the, like I've got an older brother, a younger brother, and we just played sport um, all the time, you know, like cricket, golf as we got older, but just trying to emulate all of our heroes in the backyard as you do growing up in Australia. Um, and for me, all of those heroes, you know, were sponsored by Nike and, and all of the ads like Be Like Mike and all of the, I just, I guess, was very inspired by what the brand, you know, did. And um, and so, yeah, it was a dream come true to get the job there and a little old sales rep in uh, for southern New South Wales, um, and uh, which lasted for 18 years. I kind of hung on for 18 years and uh, and did, did a number of different jobs, um, all in sales and kind of marketplace management and um, down to Victoria, so Australia, New Zealand stuff, and then... Um, my wife actually, um, we, I met my wife at Nike. We got the chance to go to Europe, um, do a bit, did a bit of a time over there, nearly three years over there, and then back here and then over to the US where, um, where uh, yeah, it was just an amazing time, you know, like going to the world headquarters of uh, the biggest sports brand in the world. It was, it was like a fantasy land and um, was doing conferences in, uh, in, in the Tiger Woods Conference Center every every uh, three months and so just being in and around that kind of stuff was was amazing for a sports nut um so uh so yeah finished up there in at the end of 21 i was uh in the global team that was kind of in and around all the limited edition sneakers and um and working with all the collaborators and all the like yeah it was at the pointy end of the spear um and part of that team uh definitely wasn't you know a top dog there or anything like that but um but yeah incredible incredible journey that um I'll forever be grateful for, for sure. Now, I know the power of Nike very well because, you know, being a retailer of golf equipment and golf shoes, um, I spent a lot of – it's been nine years, right? So I spent a lot of that time, maybe eight of those nine years, 
yeah. every third person, second person, maybe. Do you have Nike here at uh, Drummer Golf? No, sorry, we don't have Nike here at Drummer Golf, but we've got Footjoy, Adidas, Nike, Puma. Oh, it's Footjoy, Adidas, Puma, yep. blah, 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 every other brand. Oh, okay. Um, really want Nike. <laughs> so that was like all the time. And then finally we got access to Nike and now we sell a absolute truckload of Nike golf shoes. So for me, yeah. it always demonstrated just that power of the brand first up and very, very close to home. You see how many golfers wear Nike on, on the golf course and uh, they do great. You know, I, I don't know how much you know about the deals that they do with their athletes, you know, but obviously, you know, they're, they're most of their deals with uh, – the golf athletes are top to bottom, you know, like shoes, to yeah. shoes pants, outerwear, head, hat. Um, you know, it, do you have any insights into the, the machinations and the workings of, you know, some of that sort of sponsorship side of the business? No, not not really, mate. Like I, I was, uh, I never made it into Nike golf. There's a couple of kind of um, sliding door moments in the career where, it could have, you know, it looked like that was going to happen, and then, uh, and then for whatever reason, it didn't. And um, uh, which was, you know, that would have been nice. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, they always went for head to toe. If you had a Nike deal uh, in golf, it was head to toe, and and you know, up until they got out of equipment, it was it was the whole bag as well. Um, so uh, so yeah, but then when they got out of equipment, I think that started to relax a little bit and so you saw more guys wearing nike shoes and maybe not the apparel or um uh or, or you know um not necessarily head to toe and maybe a few turning up with sponsors on their on their shirts when that was a big no-no for a long time um and you know of course i think they were paying the contracts to um to secure that real estate um so they didn't so you know brooks didn't need a sleeve sponsor or anything like that but uh um, but yeah, they've, they've had a knack for always having guys and girls that are in and around on a Sunday and, and on the big screen, you know, on the back nine on Sunday. And I think that, yeah, that was obviously a big part of who they were trying to sign and, and, um, and what the focus was, but, um, always managing to get this, there's almost always someone with a swoosh, you know, on their hat or their shirt involved at the, at the back, at the back end. As part of the organisation and working in there culturally, um, for those of us that worked in corporate environments, you know what what sets the tone on a day to day, month to month, week to week basis um, culturally in in at Nike HQ. Um, that it's all honestly, it's 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 a team sport, and you know you're, you're part of a team. Like it's very much. Um, uh, sports team analogies and um, and driving the culture of um, of you know you're part of a team. There's no I in team like there's um, and that that kind of thing. So um, so yeah, that was always a, a big part of uh, again the, the motivation and and how how you carry yourself um, in the company um, for the most part. And uh, yeah, making sure that um, you're there for each other and you're, you're, you're kind of helping and, and learning and, and uh, guiding, you know, each other along the way. What's the, the can, you know, I call it a campus. Is that the right term? You know, how do you, how, yeah. do, you, how do you describe the, the HQ? Because if you've seen pictures of it, it's absolutely massive. It looks, it's a cross between a small city, uh, a sports venue and, uh, and an office uh, complex. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty good description, Roscoe. Like the uh, the the soccer pitch in, in the middle of campus, um, 
was widely regarded as one of the best soccer pitchers, you know, all, all, like literally in the world. And, and that might sound a little bit over the top, but um, we had uh, when Man United was um, a part of the Nike family, like, and they, they were in the US, they'd come and be training. And and, uh, and that is a world-class um, soccer pitch and, you know, standard of kind of grass pitch. So, um, you know, when... Uh, Lance Armstrong um, was uh, a part of the Nike family and there was a huge gym dedicated to him. It was at the time, it was like world-class, like it was the machines and everything that went in there and, and what, what you had available and free and on tap was just incredible. And I think it just cultivated a really, um, uh, a really, really nice culture and um, uh, around, being in sport, hey, we work in sport, we are of sport, um, you've got the opportunity to participate in sport, it's okay to go for a run at any time during the day, you know, no one looks down on you for going for a run at lunchtime or at 10 o'clock or at 3 o'clock, it's, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was very kind of inclusive like that. Was it part of the organisation's um, process to bring elite athletes in you know i've seen um one of my friends in melbourne who's uh, one of a, an elite running coach you know he's been up there training runners on the athletics track yeah is it was that part of the thing to bring athletes in and allow them to train or is it r&d or what was that like uh yeah it's a bit of both like um i think uh for the runners particularly or for, for anyone it's it'd be a combination of r&d and then just a place for them to train and and um and feel um, like they're not going to get hassled, you know, like it was, it was a big no, no to be, uh, to go up and taking a selfie or, 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 or a picture or asking for an autograph of an athlete. Like you, you see, you know, Kobe walking through the, through the halls or sitting at lunch. Like you, you don't, um, with a big, um, uh, a big group one day in the, in the cafeteria downstairs of the building, but, and you know, you don't go up and say, G'day, and you know, hey, hey, Kobe, you know, how you going, or or, or hassle him. Um, everyone knows you just leave them alone. They're they're, they're at home. They're, that's what Phil wanted. They wanted wanted them to feel like they're at home, and they can, um, and they're they're gonna, you know, not be not be harassed uh, by anyone like that on the street. So, uh, but the R and D is like incredible. You know, like they they've just built a um a huge innovation center. I think it's the LeBron Center where. Um, so I'm not going to quote the number, but some crazy number of like motion sensors, you know, in one room, like the most in the world, like all of this kind of investment in the technology that that is like striving to drive the innovation in product and make athletes better um, is, is, is what Nike exists to do. So it, it was very cool to be a part, be around it. Uh, one of the best books I've ever read is uh shoe dog from the Phil Knight story. Uh, yeah. You know, my time of driving in and out of the city, you know, I spent a lot of that time listening to stuff um, after I nearly decided to not go back into the city anymore because the listening to the radio was driving me nuts. So I just discovered listening to books and, and it, yeah. it, it, it prolonged my journey into the city. I'll tell you that much. But one of the great books I listened to on that journey was uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. If you haven't read it, I'd re- really highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Um, you mentioned there before, uh, the sneakers and the uh, collectible sneakers. I'm not sure if that's the right way to describe them. Uh, and that yep. was one of the roles that you were doing towards the end of that stint up there in, in the US before you came home. What was that all about? And and then maybe tell us about how your new venture here in Australia um, sort of links into that uh, elite 
um, collectible, highly desirable sneaker market. Yeah, so I was in the um, in the global team that was managing how like all of those limited edition sneakers um, would would come to market, right? Would get in front of the consumer. So we would work out like how many units are we going to do, um, how much demand are we going to drive, who are the retail partners that we're going to partner with on bringing that to life. Um, and uh, one of the things I was really passionate about in that job was making sure that like this might sound silly, but like real people um, win the chance to buy those shoes because those shoes, some of the time you pay $200 for the next second, you can sell those for 600, 800, 1000, 2000, whatever, the, depending on the shoe, but they're worth a lot of money in the aftermarket because of the low supply. And, and so, um, yeah, a lot of people um, started to use bots and, uh, you know, computer programs to game the system and scoop up all the inventory um, and then resell them for a, for a ton of profit the next time. So, um, for those that haven't bought a pair of sneakers via this process that we're describing, so what you're describing is if you're a Nike, is it Nike.com member or, you know, there's a limited shoe release every you know, how, how often is there a limited shoe release? Oh, like it, it could be every couple of days, but let's say, yeah, Thursday, um, a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. There's the new Jordan 1 shoe coming out, collaboration with Travis Scott or, or you know, a rapper or, or, or an athlete or, or a uh, fashion designer. Um, and there's been a whole lot of demand driven around that shoe and more people want it than, than we've got units of. And so... Um, so we, so I work for a company uh, called Equal, where we host a raffle for people to um, basically go in the draw for the chance to to buy that shoe. Um, so, so uh, yeah, we filter out all the bots and and get rid of all the, the scammers and bad actors and uh, um, and people just looking to make a buck and and make sure that real people that are really you know into that shoe um, have the chance to to get their hands on it at a, at a decent price. So this is a bit of third-party um, developed Australian-developed software that now plugs yeah. into global online e-commerce platforms, which is able to yep. filter out all of the the non-real people and allow, yeah. allow the real real people to buy buy their shoes. Developed here in Australia. Yeah, it, it's actually an incredible little startup story, mate, and it's amazing to be a part of um, and to join the guys that started it. They uh, they're all from Melbourne. Um, three guys that were working at Google, uh, sneakerheads, sick of missing out to the bots and things going wrong when they're trying to buy shoes or collectibles, and um, and thought, you know what, we can build a better way, and and uh, and they did, and um, put it out to market. Actually, took it to Nike um, in Europe to begin with. Um, it all worked fine, and you know, two and a half years later, where. Um, <clears throat> we've done some of the biggest sneaker launches, you know, across the globe for global retailers like Tiffany's and um, just launched with Tops uh, in the UK. If it, anyone's into collecting cards and uh, those kind of things, they, they get attacked by the same uh, bots and, and bad actors. So, um, so yeah, it's a little Aussie startup doing incredible things and solving a problem that, you know, big companies haven't been able to solve. So, um so yeah, it's a very cool story. So you enjoying your time doing that? Do you, do you get to contact or you know reach out to any of your former colleagues? Is there any sort of cross pollination there? Are you still being, speaking uh, people you know? 
Yeah, it's fair, fair to say we're trying to uh, we're trying to um, develop a partnership with Nike and uh, and in and, and some of those little um, sections of the company. So um, so yeah, I think you know what Nike. I know what Nike is trying to do and, and deliver you know fairness in that zone, and, and we're trying to do the same thing. So we, we can we can help with that cause and play a role. Um, but I think I would also love to talk to the guys at Scotty Cameron, and you know. Uh, um, I think the same problem, similar but same problem exists with their limited edition putters. Um, I'm sure people know, like it's, you just can't get your hands on on these putters. You've got to be in the right time at the right place, and um, uh, and even then, you might not even get a call back or, or however the process works. But um, but yeah, I think there's an opportunity to to uh, to use equal um, in the golf space as well. A hundred percent, and you know, I know what happens when uh, as soon as Scotty Cameron drops that uh, new model, the holiday or the my girl or the my day or whatever, whatever they call it, uh, the jet set has several of the Terillium T22 remake. As soon as that gets dropped on social media in my golf shop, the phone will ring continually for all yeah. for the entirety of the day. And in many times um, still haven't had the conversation with uh, the Titleist people to know are we getting getting any? Because they're very very limited in supply to Australia. But yeah, you know, I'm just talking about Australia. But you know, you're sort of talking about it globally. How they could really get an opportunity with this to to allow people to get it. But what happens if you're in Australia? Listen to this. There's a fair chance that you've at some point fancied one of those putters, and you thought you're going to see your old mate Roscoe or whoever your golf retailer of choice is, and gone, oh, can you get me? one of those little putters that I just saw the other day and you've been met with like, you serious, mate? Yeah. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> they, Good they, luck. They were gone in the first three minutes. And by the way, I got one 35-inch um, and then one, yeah. one left-handed 34-inch. Uh, take your, you know, that's all I got. What do you mean? You Aren't you the biggest in Franklin Street? I said, well, yeah, but I got one of those and one of those and – all oh, right. Yeah. And, and what happens by about lunchtime, you know, I start answering calls from Rockhampton, Cairns, Perth, <laughs> all these places going, yeah, mate, how you going? Um, you got any of those Scotty Cameron jet sets over there that they just released? You Melbourne, you must have a heap of them. Mate, sorry. Um, yeah. And then, and then what happens is some of the, you know, like not speaking out of school here, it's pretty, if you're me and you want one of those putters, what happens? It goes in the putter collection. So I, yeah, I've, only, I've only ever had one limited edition Scotty Cameron um, that are in nine years. But uh, I pretty no, I pretty much guarantee that some of those putters, um, there's some of, the, some of the retail industry, and I'm talking not just my colleagues, but the golf pros and the other all the, all the people who have got accounts, um, if you want to collect Scotty Camerons, the, they they even become more limited that way. So, you know, your system, yeah. your system there would answer it prop absolutely perfectly. Uh, and I'm a massive... I would, I as a retailer would be happy not to have a limited edition Scotty Cameron allocated to me ever again if I knew that they were going to be available to people on a fair and equitable basis. Anyway, yeah, yeah, um, I feel like I've ran. Thanks like, for that little free advert there, uh, yeah, no, Roscoe. Yeah, I'll no, have to uh, make sure I send it to the equal guys. No, no worries. Don't get me in trouble with uh, Scotty Cameron. Love you, Scotty. Love you, love you Scotty. <laughs> Love you, Kushnet. Yeah, um, no, very nice part of the T22 Trillium, um, which you know you can see the tr- if you don't know what Trillium is, it's one of those metals that's made out of sort of some level of unobtainium. Um, 
it's the same material that you'll see on the insert in Bryson. Oh, not Bryson, sorry. Uh, Brooks. Uh, Brooks Kepka's yep. uh, party. That's the he uses the uh, Terulium Newport too, um, with, this, yep. with the uh, stainless uh, body. Beautiful. Uh, well, that's a good little intro into your world, uh, Scott. Um, thanks for thanks for sharing. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. I know. And you play golf seven times a week, six times a week. Uh, well, yeah. So I've got to talk to the wife about that and get it up to five or six. But yeah, only a couple. Only at a the couple? Moment. No, <laughs> no, I. Um, uh, yeah, I'm in a very fortunate position where you know, we took last year off and, and just like hung out as we got back into the country. So played a ton of golf and um, yeah, doing a couple of days a week with Equal and uh, and a couple of days a week working on my uh, on my on my chunks and my uh, and my slice and my hook and and everything in between. No, no, you well compared to the first time we played and then when we played the other week, you know your game has. Um... It's developed substantially. Um, swing's got a lot better, a lot more on plane. You know, the little over-the-top move that used to happen, it's gone. Um, it's looking really good. Oh, thanks, mate. And that, that special delivery uh, ping tour extra stiff shaft that got uh, thrown over yeah. the front yard the other night is going to help you no end. I guarantee you that uh, yeah. your undesirable ball flight with your ping G400 max driver, 10 and, yeah. ten and a half degree. Ten and a half degree, yeah. yeah. So that undesirable higher ball flight that you were getting with a little bit more spin, you had the stiff uh, alter shaft in it. It's a great shaft, but you know you're swinging at one hundred and seven, eight, nine miles an hour, so not slow because you train a lot and you're fit and healthy. Uh, you know you needed something much firmer to help you get that ball flight under control, and hopefully um, by the time you get used to this shaft that we put in that driver, uh, it yeah. will help you. Lower the ball flight, lower a bit of spin, and just tighten up the dispersion. That's what you're looking for. Um, take out that left side, yet you know, little the soft shaft. You know, it's not going to flip over on you and, and hook, and it's not going to bow in the wrong direction. So it might bring yeah. a little bit of the right side in. I've got a mid-size grip on there for you. I remember we had a discussion around the size of the grip, so I put a mid-size grip on there for you. Um, yeah. It might be a little bit right side oriented, but once you get the, used to being able to just really go after it, you'll find that you've got one of the most confidence-inspiring uh, shaft driver combinations that you'll ever see. Um, there you All go. right. It'll get a workout on uh, on Friday. Let's see. Fantastic. Now, you're going to help me talk about some of the golf uh, that is coming up. As we said right at the start, we've got the US Open coming up. Just before we go... As best I can, just, yeah. Just before we go through that, there's a bit, obviously a bit of golf played uh, last week, um, what do we yeah, have? It was. Let me start with the LPGA because uh, LPGA we don't talk about a lot about the women's golf, but it, when we do, it's usually for a reason because it sticks out. Something significant's happened for me last week. Something significant was uh, Ashley Buhai winning the Shoprite LPGA Classic, her first win on U.S. soil in the LPGA. Uh, yep. I got to know Ash, as I've mentioned many times before, when she was down here at the uh, Australian Women's Open. We interviewed her with her eye, Brett Ogle video that um, her husband, yep. Dave, who's a character, he had another moment uh, of, fan, uh, of stardom. Uh, he was uh, Dave was crawling out underneath the uh, grandstand. I don't know if you didn't ever see that. Um, yeah, anyway, it was no. it was widely widely shown. Uh, Dave Buhai yep. is Ashley's... Um, uh, husband and he caddies as well. Uh, he's, he's a classic. So it was great to see uh, Ash get a win. It's been, you know, she's 35. It wasn't that long ago when she was talking about, you know, she's an older player on the LPGA tour. Um, but yep. her game, swing, mental game uh, is right on point. And that's, you know, an Australian Open, a uh, 
Women's yeah. British Open, uh, a PGA Tour title, the South African Women's Open, all in the last under 12 months. Not a bad year when you start to look at um, those. And in amongst some great uh, great competition, you know, we've got great names up there. Uh, young lady, uh, Ju Hung Kim, uh, finished second at minus 13. Uh, we had, yeah. um, but in the Australian, we had uh, Suo. So I was a great yep. uh, ambassador of Melbourne Golf, a metropolitan member. Her dad's a member at Peninsula Kingswood. She had a great final, minus seven. Yeah, minus seven. Yep, to finish, you know, T6. So anyway, very good. That's um, one of the ones that we wanted to talk about. And we also wanted to talk about uh, another event that I don't mind because it sort of goes along the lines of the uh, the Vic Open. And it's the uh, DP World Tour LET um, oh, the mixed one, the yeah. Mixed, mixed event, uh, the Scandinavian Mixed, so hosted by uh, Annika Sorensen up there in uh, Sweden. And uh, Dale Whitnell. Now, i got to confess I don't know a lot about Dale Whitnell, but he was rock solid from you know pretty much start to finish, finished minus 21, watched a bit of the final round there, and um, as I said, he was, he was solid. He's... Yeah, been on tour for obviously a good few years. He's 34. He's from Colchester in the UK. He's had 10 professional wins. Pretty sure that this is his yep. first win on the DP World Tour. But yeah, it wasn't easy. But what I loved there was seeing some of the the women up there pushing up the top end of the uh, the because um, it's obviously a, a single score, uh, single uh, leaderboard. Anna Van Dam, you know, big touts on Anna Van Dam. She's a great player, very strong. Um, probably. We would have maybe expected to see a little bit more from Anna Van Dam, you know, given her yep. strength and ability. But uh, she was up there, finished T three. Uh, Richie Ramsey didn't have the greatest final round. Um, obviously, one under final round, but he was up there contending for a while. But just that final round sort of pulled him back. And then we had a few of the Swedes and the other uh, UK players and some of the other Scandinavians, Soren Keldsen, Alexander Bjork. Um, Harry Townsend, I don't know if that was Harry. It's H Townsend, don't know him, but he's got a Swedish flag next to him. Um, Madeline. Hello, Harry Townsend. Who's uh, Hugo Townsend? Sorry, my apologies, Hugo. Um, and then we had uh, now, Roscoe. Yeah. This, this one is this is the one where they uh, they the women play off the women's tees, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. so they're all separate tees. This yes. is the one that I think uh, I think Hendy was a bit up in arms about last year or two. Um, no comments from Hendy this year. Ah, uh, uh... Hendy. I think Hendy's a bit like Mark in the podcast. He had a break from Twitter. Um, yeah, he's he's been a bit quiet on the Twitters. The the some of the stuff of the recent weeks, uh, events of Piff and PJ Tour brought him back a little bit, but no, I don't. Yeah. I didn't see anything. Not that I, I read a lot of what Hendy does. Um, you know, he's, he's funny. Um, but no, no, I I think it's a great event. You know, and yeah, you know, uh, what else we're we going to talk about? Um, we're going to talk about the uh, we're going to talk about the US tour in a minute. Do you want to talk about some of the talking about well, the events of last week? Do you want to have another discussion? Well, about- but. but- before we do that, Roscoe, what about the uh, the Canadian Open that was on the RBC? Did you see that final putt? Uh, I did. Unbelievable. Oh my god! What? I, I was I was, uh, I was driving home from Bendigo um, uh, a few nights at Bendigo over the weekend, and I had one ear in listening to the telecast, and all I could hear was Nance and his explanation. I had no. A video or anything and i was like i nearly kind of cut off the road i was like hang on a second he just sunk that um i couldn't wait to get home and see the footage but uh incredible final round from from taylor uh who were you going for in all honesty you know were you, were you on the fleetwood uh train 
Mate, my so I actually had one of the better weeks on the uh, on on the Teepster where I was on Tyrell. Um, so it was a bit upset with his third round, but um, but yeah, I, I, and I'd like to see Tommy win on the US uh, on the US tour. I think he's we'll get to it, but like I think he's a strong chance for for this week. Um, but uh, yeah, he had a he had an incredible week in a in a couple of areas that he's not hasn't had strong results um lately but um but amazing final round from uh from it's nick taylor isn't it yeah nick taylor the first uh was it the first canadian win on the the canadian open or was it yeah. the first win in the, yeah. it's like six in 60, 60 years or something years, yeah. so um but uh you know the scenes on that 18th green and then, oh. <laughs> and then the do, tackle on adam hadwin oh. Just like back to Tommy before we talk about that, um, he he handled it really well. Like he's obviously got to be gutted that he's so close and hasn't cracked it for that first win on the PGA Tour. He's got to be gutted, but yeah, he's a he is an ultimate sportsman, um, Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, you know, he's he's someone I'd love to you know put in a put in a round uh, in a four ball. Um, I'd love to have a round with Tommy Fleetwood. I reckon he just looks like a, a great fun fellow and uh, he handles himself very well, especially given that situation. But yes, um, what, what 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 was the security guard thinking? Like he's done his, the footage. He's done his he job. He got a great shot of mate. We need him in the Origin. Is it next <laughs> Wednesday? We need him in the front row for New South Wales. But um, but yeah, no, it was uh, that was funny. That was some great footage. Talk about white line fever. Like yeah, he just like saw someone drawing for something and just put his body yeah. on the line. Like, like what, what did he think was happening? <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll go straight to, um, you know, Joe Biden's security detail with that, that performance. Like, yeah. he just throw yeah. himself in front of a bullet for anyone, that fella. It was it was insane. Like, he just sacked him. Like, it was bang, gone. Yeah, Is that Adam had one all right? He didn't, there's no. I think his wife, uh, his wife did tweet that, uh, that he was back to the land of, land of the living or something and then he was doing okay. And uh, I think they're actually... Yeah, they're, they're putting the uh, the bottle of Moe into their Canadian Sports Hall of Fame or something <laughs> he was carrying. So uh, that Adam, was a good tackle. Adam it was a had, big part. That was a massive part. Um, great win by Nick Taylor. Great win. Uh, another T – oh, not another T3, but I uh, always, always like when Aaron Rye has a, a solid performance. You know, um, I don't follow Aaron's uh, career so deeply, but, you know, I'm a fan of uh, his coaches and uh, he's been with um, – the guys from me and my golf for a long, long, long time. So I love those ones where someone's been with a coach for a long time. And, you know, that story with when Aaron started with those guys and um, the whole reason why he has head covers on his irons and two gloves, you know, and that's, um, he's never strayed from that. And the guys at me and my golf, you know, Pierce and Andy have never got him to change any of that. Um, he just loved golf and his parents just threw everything that they had at helping him play golf. So I love when I see Aaron perform well on the PJ Tour. It's his second year on the PJ Tour. I think he and Lucas sort of Herbert started on the PJ Tour at the same time. Um, yep. A few decent performances for the some of the players looking into to this uh, week. You know, Rose, Rory, you know. Yeah. Rory there or there. Yeah. There or thereabouts with that. Rory. That final round, um, even par, was, uh, was a bit disappointing, but um, – you know, far out. What a huge week he would have had, and we'll talk about it in in a second. Yeah. But um, you know, that guy just seems to shoulder and, and have like big emotional uh, draining weeks, like week after week. So um, yeah, see how he turns up to LA. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of people on minus twelve after after round three, and then um, a few of the guys just just separated. But uh, um, 
yeah, a few Canadians up there. It was good to see. Well, I was I was already counting my um, teeps to progress uh, with Corey Connors after round one and round two, but yeah, uh, he sort of. T20, he got some money in the bank for us. But, uh, you know, I, I, as I say, I was putting him, I was raising the bottle of uh, whatever it is uh, on behalf of him after round two. Yeah. Who else we got up there? Matt Fitzpatrick. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Matt Fitzpatrick goes around uh, LACC. Uh, yeah. A whole, whole heap of other names. But anyway, that was that was the highlights, um, I think, that everyone spoke about after the Canadian Open. That Shane Lowry, you know, really did set the tone at the players men to say, hey, we've got this tournament to put on. Let's play respects to the Canadian Open. And I think by all accounts, it was a great event given what was going on and uh, obviously we had another great talking point uh, in golf when um, Adam Hadwin got sacked and Nick Taylor drained an absolute monster to beat uh, our yeah. Tommy. What, what do you think about that 18th hole, Roscoe? It was, it's a, it was a funny one, wasn't it? It was good to watch. I loved seeing um, Tommy hit iron off the tee on a par five mm. um, all, all three times in the in the playoff and yeah, I mean, you know, hitting a par five, and then I think he was hitting five wood or seven wood uh, in, into the green. Yeah, just a just a funky kind of shape of the hole, and and I think a lot of guys took iron off the tee um, all week, um, well, just, which you know, it, on a par five is pretty unheard of. Exactly, and that's is that a good sign of a good design hole that it makes you think about what you have to to take? Um, I, I can't remember the length of it, but you know. If, if it's sort of two iron, sort of seven wood, you know, it's got to be sort of 500 meters type thing minimum. Um, is that a good sign of a good design hole when, when that happens or yeah. So I think Tommy was hitting six iron off the tee. Six iron. Yeah. I didn't say, I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't take, pay that much attention to I, that part. That's, uh, that's interesting. Six well, iron. It's five, five, 500. So, um, uh, yeah, it's 500 yards. Yeah, maybe it was a bit more than six iron, but uh, but yeah, it was it seemed like a pretty lofted iron from um, what you would normally hit. I told you, seven woods. We talked about it the other yeah. week there, and you and you, you actually did. you actually mentioned me. You're going, oh, I didn't realise that seven woods had become. I went home and looked at them. Went home and looked at them. These guys, so these guys, yeah. these guys have got seven woods. I wonder how many seven woods will be in the bag this week at LACC. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, now your choice, your call. Do we want to go into talking about LACC, or do we want to talk about a little bit more about uh, the events of uh, the um, alignment between the PIF and uh, the PIF World Tour and PGA Tour? Yeah, let's let's keep chugging on the golf and, okay. and get into uh, get into LACC and um, and have a chat about that, and then and then yeah, maybe at the end we can circle back on on what's been happening and yeah. Okay. The, the no new information. <laughs> yeah, so well, still no one, no one knows. LACC. Have you um, have you played at LACC, Scott? I've not played at LACC. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Unfortunately, looks like a great track to go and play. Looks fun. Uh, for, uh, for whatever reason, people think that I have um, access to uh, people who you know have access to these places, and I've had about five people yeah. in the last eight months in the lead up to this say, oh. Can, do you know someone at, at, that wherever can get me onto LACC? No, <laughs> sorry, um, I don't. Yeah, I, I um, I'll get the fact, I'll get the numbers wrong, but I'm sure I saw something on Twitter just before, like the 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 buy-in's like three hundred grand or something, and then thirty or forty a year or, or, or something ridiculous like that. Um, it's like super exclusive, incredibly. Well, we're, we're okay with that, aren't we? That's a, that's all right, isn't it? We can, oh, yeah, we can manage that. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, boom, just down the back of the couch, I, I should be able to scrounge it up, actually. Look, it is, it is it's LA. Um, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure 
there's many courses uh, at that level. Yeah, I'm not sure what Riviera is. I'm not sure what Wilshire is. I'm not sure what LACC is. I think LACC is very much at the top of the pecking order uh, in the in the LA. Um, I was going to call it the LA Sandbelt. That's not really the the right description, but it definitely is a, a vibe of a certain style of golf in that that region. Is it, is it not? Yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely has has that vibe, and um, even the fact that uh, like there's a, such a number of courses within like I think a six and a half mile radius. There's like a there's there's a bunch of these really exclusive um and you know old courses um so so yeah it definitely sounds like that's the uh, that's the the area of la to go and play some exclusive golf um so, yeah so lacc is it's on the north course there's obviously two courses there uh now the history there is you know we'd call we definitely call it a golden age you know architecture um who was it the the uh architects uh george thomas george thomas and billy bell i don't know a lot about george thomas and billy bell but i know that they were very influential in that southern california architecture space uh yeah the tournament setup is going to be seven thousand four hundred twenty-one yards it's past 70 uh we know that the defending champion is uh matt fitzpatrick of course i'm reading this um there'll be yeah. there'll be 600 fedex cup points on the line and they do you know how much they're playing for this week scott this, this, around 20 i guess so, i don't know loose change yeah, 17 and a half million so for the tapes to the tapes to follow us there it's uh yeah it's a big money event obviously all the opens are uh, all the majors are so yeah there's there's obviously quite a bit happening um what else now we... one thing rocket before we uh sorry uh roscoe rocket will will shoot us if we don't You've just called out the original design of it. Gil Hans has done, uh, has, has been either done or been part of the group that's done a, a reno on that. Um, uh, I think it was 08 uh, or 2010, um, a little yep. while ago, where he took it, he took it back to you know the original, um, the original surrounds and uh, the way that it was first intended. So, so yeah, but first time it's ever held. A, uh, a US Open or any kind of major event. So um, one of the ones I think a lot of people have been waiting to see on, on TV and see, see challenge, you know, the pros. And um, as you said, par 70, um, I couldn't believe there's five par threes and there's uh, one, I think it's the 11th, will get up to nearly 300 yards. And then there's, there's one um, that uh, is 92 yards it's going to be. They're going to set it up at least once at 92 yards. It's like like 85 meters, Roscoe. Yeah. Well, we know how hard the uh, the little hole at Barnboogle is. Um, they're probably not going to have the wind that they have. Well, some there. of us do. Yeah. Oh, really? sorry. Yeah. Well, I've never hit it. Uh, you know, that's not a brag. I've, I've, I'm, still yet, <laughs> I'm still yet to find it with the first shot, and I've hit it's one of those holes where you have about eight goes at it. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think that's the 15th. So here the 15th is listed at 124 yards. So... You know that's that full full tip distance. That's like 110 meters or thereabouts. And interestingly, yeah. the first hole um, has the rarity of being just talking about par fives at the Canadian Open. The first hole is mm. a 578 yard par five. So mm. um, I don't mind starting on a par five. I can't remember many courses where you do get to start on a par five. But if you said par five or a par three as a start hole, I'm going to take a par five every day. I think pretty much most would. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and I think. Um, uh, and watching a bit of the, the content and kind of having a look at the course, there's a lot of people talking about there's a lot of half-par holes. So, you know, I think that first one has been called out. It's probably one of the easiest holes on the course. So it's probably more like a par four and a half. Um, so I reckon if you're not if you're not making birdie off one, 
you're behind the eight ball um, pretty quickly out there. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting hearing a lot of people talk about the half par holes and um, you know the second is is um, is a par four. I think it's nearly 490 meter, 490 yard par four, but that's probably more like a par four and a half. Yeah. Um, so you got easy one, hard one, um, and uh, yeah, I think that that uh, pattern goes throughout the course. Well, here's the distances of the par threes. Uh, so we have the first par three is the fourth, 228 yards. So that's a 200 meter from the tips par three. Uh, we yeah. have the seventh. The seventh is a par three at 284 yards. So that's like 250 meters. That's like driver, uh, yeah, drive, driver. I'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, they play. The if it's a three, five wood or whatever. Uh, what else we got? Par three, the eleventh at uh, 290 yards. Again, yeah. not another short one. And then we then we wind it back to the fifteenth uh, at the 124 yards. So uh, that's a that's a fair chunk of distance on holes where you know you've got to get it in three path path threes are hard you know like i think the stats show that path threes i think a lot of the players lose most shots on on path threes um, yep anyway uh you mentioned the architects there before yes george thomas and uh, billy bell started it um but yeah hans jim wagner and interestingly interestingly sorry um and Shackleford as well. yeah i was listening to him today yep. with um a good friend of mine lawrence donegan who's a regular um Shackleford's a regular on the um the uh, McKellar podcast with uh, Lawrence Donif- Lawrence Donigan. Uh, so yep. yeah, Jeff Shackelford has uh, co-designed that. So he's going to be there on the ground. So he's absolutely connected to that place. I believe he's just released a really good book about um, understanding, you know, it's almost, I'm going to give it the wrong term, but architecture for dummies. Like if you want to know about golf yep. architecture, this book that Jeff's just released, it's on Amazon. You can get it at the bookshops. I think it's a really good or by all reports, a really good one to, if you want to learn a bit more about golf architecture and the significance of it and, and how to understand it, uh, Jeff's book's a really good one for that without being too um, full-on golf nerdy. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, what, what I'm looking forward to, Roscoe, in this course and just what what, um, what I've kind of seen so far is um, like the undulating fairways, and it looks like they're pretty wide fairways compared to a, a US Open. Um, so maybe like driving won't be so much at a premium um, and accuracy. Like I think uh, it sounds like maybe some guys uh, will get some relief there. But um, yeah, I was I was reading that the uh, there's not a lot of fairway bunkers because they, they they didn't really think they needed them because the the undulating um, terrain will kind of if you're not in the right spot you're going to end up in a really bad spot due to where the ball is going to roll and finish and and kind of you know, um, off the fairway or whatever. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch watch that um, play out and how guys tackle, you know, that uh, that setup and um, uh, small greens. What's a what's a barranca? Do you know? I was going to say I learned a new word today, a barranca. I've I've heard I've heard the term barranca. Um, it seems to be a bit of a Southern California. <laughs> Uh, golf sort of related term. Um, Riviera yeah. have got barrancas. So is a barranca this this deep channel that exists within within the golf course in a steep sided wall type channel? Is that what you gathered that a barranca was? 
Well, when, when I say I learned a new word, I, pro- I probably should have said I heard a new oh, word yeah. and, uh, and did, didn't quite uh, look into that. But that would make sense given the way they were using it and what they were describing. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, but I've never heard that word before. But, uh, yeah, I think, there's a lot of it on the course. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at some of the visuals that, um, you know, I'm not sure if you looked at uh, your mate TC and uh, was it Solly? playing golf there at LACC, you know, there's probably a few barankers yeah. found there. I didn't watch it all, but uh, some yeah. of the flyovers, there was, a, there was a bit of baranker action. So, yeah, you don't want to get stuck in a baranker. So if you're not, you know, hitting the fairways, um, you might find yourself in a in a baranker. In a baranker. Um, uh, what else uh, What else are you looking forward to? I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the Australians playing. There's a handful of them. There's seven of them uh, in the field. Yep. Cam Smith, Lucas Herbert, uh, Adam Scott, Ken yep. Davis, Jason Day, and Minwoo Lee. Now, all of those guys that set Minwoo get inside, uh, get in that tournament due to their inside the world top sixty. Um, mm. Minwoo qualifies by his high ranking on the DP World Tour, and another young name yep. pops up there, and we talked about him last week. Is uh, Carl Phillips, who won one of the sectional qualifyings. Um, it seems yeah. like Carl Phillips has been a name in Australian junior golf forever because he was. If, if you're new to golf in the last three or four years and started picking up podcasts and that, Carl Phillips, who must be, he's a Stanford, um, not sure what year he's in at Stanford there at college playing in, in that team. Obviously, plenty of good golfers played at Stanford. Tiger Woods being one of them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Carl Phillips was like a child prodigy. You know, he was the one that was on channel. If you think about the vision that you've seen about Rory, you know, hitting golf balls into the tumble dry when he was, you know, mm. four and five years old, he... Carl Phillips could be our version of Rory, you know, because he was the kid that was on TV when he was very young, being um, prodigious with his ability with the golf course. And he's been taken to America uh, at a young age, you know, I think maybe yep. his high school, definitely obviously college, um, but he's been over there for a long time. And, you know, if there's ever a bunch of parents that have put everything in behind their son to, to achieve, um, it's the Phillips family and, yeah, here it is. Yeah. He's playing as an amateur in his first US Open. It's going to be great to see the young fellow. I hope he does well. Yeah, it's all paying off. I think, um, uh, what did he finish? Sixth in, in the NCAAs yep. um, recently in that winning Stanford team. So he's, um, uh, and he's been, you know, multi-time All-American, junior and, and senior. So he's uh, he's amassing a, a hell of an amateur career, that's for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I saw his name there and thought, oh, that's going to be interesting to watch him. Um, I mean, he tees off uh, kind of late morning, um, or, you know, afternoon their time, but uh, I think like 7.20 or 7.30. So, Who is uh, Carl um, paired with? I didn't say. I didn't... So he's with um, uh, another amateur and then an American guy, um, Ollie, someone or other. Where is it? Um, uh, David Puig and Olin Brown Jr. Oh, Olin Brown Jr. is another qualifying story. You know, qualified through one of the sectionals there. I think he's a Corn Ferry player, uh, and much the same as uh, Barry Henson, who, you know, the, all the storylines point to Barry Henson. You'd believe that he's last week he was driving an Uber. I don't think it, he was driving yeah. Ubers last week, but you know, <laughs> his his story is a, is a great one um, on its own. He's basically applying his trade in, I think, the Asian tour. And um, during lockdown, you know, he 
I'm not sure if it was during lockdown or in and around that time, you know, he was still working things out. You know, he did spend some time um, driving Ubers and it's a, there's a podcast that I listened to that he was on there. It was, it was quite interesting yeah. story, but so Barry Hen- Henson, the other thing that I think Barry Henson's famous for is he like one of the guys that uh, made the uh, tie spinner um, prominent, you know what the tie spinner is? No. I, I think he must've picked it up playing on the Asian tour. It's that back foot, yeah. back foot lob wedge. Like it's not even yeah. back foot. It's like a foot outside your back foot and you basically hit the lob wedge, um, almost so down on it that you're hitting with the, the lob wedge so de-lofted it's flat and the ball just fizzes off the face and fizzes up the bank of the green and it's got that much spin on it, just gets to the top of the, the, the green and just rolls over and trickles down. It's sort of like a trick shot. They call it a tie spinner. Um, yeah. Barry Henson loves a tie spinner. There you go. I wonder if he'll pull one out and I don't think so. Not the tie spinner I was familiar with, Roscoe, but anyway. I've never been a tie, so I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about or, allu- or alluding to. Okay, uh, let's have a look at um, some of the other course facts. Uh, it's Bermuda, so, you know, Bermuda, we know that as Cooch. Uh, fescue rocks yep. and green surrounds. Um, one of the things that's talked about is this C inversion. I, I, I'm not sure if that's the right way to describe it, but this... Uh, weather that's been hanging around LA and some of the uh, east, uh, west coast, um, southern California, this sea yeah. mist that seems to come in from the coast and and disappear by lunchtime. So they're worried about that the uh, the inversion, sea inversion or whatever it is called, um, right. is going to hang around in the morning and then dissipate in the afternoon. And I think they were sort of forecasting that it might actually the inversion might stop by the time they get to the weekend. So we'll see uh, if yeah. that does play. It's Obviously, conditions like that affect um, things like ball flight and distances. You know, like the, the yeah air might make have an impact on on distances. So, um, all those little things that are there to test. Uh, let's go back to the sounds. Sounds it sounds a little unfair, Roscoe. You know, I, I reckon they should just do a shotgun start. Fifty-four holes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get in trouble again if I nah. start talking about it. Uh, shotgun start. They could get um, no. Anyway. Uh, Let's go back to the, some of the players. Um, Smith, Phillips, Herbert, Minwoolee, Scott, Davis, Day, and obviously from across the ditch, Ryan Fox, Big Foxy, continues to um, yep. play pretty well and earn, him, earn his way onto all the majors. Uh, yep. Who are you tipping out of the Aussies? Uh, uh, mate, Cam. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, having a look at uh, at the the – the trickery that's going to be required around the greens. Um, I think there's not many that are as good as him. So, um, so yeah, I reckon he's he's uh, a good chance. Um, he says he's found something with the driver. Um, if that's the case, and his and his irons are on on display, well then, you know, I think he's as good a chance as anyone. But yeah, I think he's going to be the top Aussie. Okay. Probably. What about you? Yeah, I probably probably agree. I probably agree. I think he's got the best chance. You know, Herbie, as we've always say, said about Herbie, anything can happen. You know, endless talent, endless game. He's obviously won this year in Japan, missed his last couple of cuts in the States. Um, he's got the full crew yeah. on, on board. He's got Jamie still there, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Anything could happen with Herbie. Adam, Adam, Adam plays, you know, he's, he's won, not at this course, but he's won just down the road uh, in the conditions. Yep. yep. Playing some, some, and he's been trending okay, yeah. hasn't he? Like he's uh, he's had a number of top tens in, in his last few starts, so he's 
um, yeah, he could be a shot. A shot. Uh, and then that leaves sort of, well, let's see, leave Carl in the amateur status and hopefully he does really well and can make the cut and, and figure and have a great, um, you know, tournament in front of, I guess that's, I guess that's his sort of home crowd, home away from home crowd. Is that right? That, that, yeah, I guess it would Stan, be. Stan, not far where, from there. Where's yeah. Stan, where's Stanford? Where, where, where's that? Oh, no, isn't that up uh, uh, closer to San, San Francisco? Fran. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's still California. So, um, but anyway, uh, Cam Davis and uh, Min Wu. What are you, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I, I just can't wait to watch Min Wu in another major. Yeah. Like I just love watching him play golf. He just uh, he, he goes hard at it. Um, he's he's just entertaining to watch on the golf course. And so it's a little bit like Lucas, where like anything can happen. Um, but far out, like one day he, he's going to shoot the lights out of a major and and, and go as low as anyone and. Um, uh, yeah, I think he's, and I see him coming out of his shell a little bit in the last six months or so, um, on social. And so he's, he's developing into a real character on, on tour. And I, I think, um, yeah, big sections of the golf, golf community are going to love what, love what he does. Uh, again, very creative around the greens. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Wise. He's not, he's, he doesn't back off from having an attack mode and, uh, to any approach. So. Hopefully, yeah. if he can find the fairways, that could hold him in good, great stead. Um, Jason Day, been playing well. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I would have said, uh, even coming into the Masters, I was I was right behind Jay Day and thinking that he was going to do something really good this year. And he's done great things, don't get me wrong. But um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I think maybe there's just a few too many guys at the very top that this, you know, it looks like this course will kind of separate the really good guys or, um, in, in certain areas from the rest. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been putting pretty well. So, um, who knows with Jay Day? Hopefully he doesn't, uh, hopefully his back's okay and his vertigo's okay and he's, and he's, he's healthy. So, all right. So you mentioned really good players, and not to say that the Australians aren't really good players, but obviously most of the focus goes around some of the other uh, players emanating out of the American uh, country. We're talking like um, and and of course some Europeans there, Rory. Um, but yeah, you know, Scheffler, Brooks, Rahm. Where do we yeah. where, where do we where do we sit on those three? Scheffler, Brooks, and Rahm. And anyone else? Anyone else that you want to talk about? That's uh, absolute contenders. Oh, mate! I, I think uh, if Scotty, if you look at Scotty's stats, and I'm not going to try and uh, try and do what Mike does here at all. But the um, but having a quick look at his stats, like if he can just putt, he'll win by thirty. <laughs> you know, like he if he can find his putter this uh, this week, he'll he'll win by a lot. Um, uh, but you know, he's He's putting so off; it's it's unbelievable. Like he was 100, he's 148 in uh, in uh, strokes game putting at the moment for the season. So he's way down the way down the line when it's usually pretty strong. It just, um, it just shows how how unbelievable his ball striking must be to be that far back yeah. but still be you know poking around at the top end of the pack. Um, yeah. We gave your friend Scotty Cameron a great pump up there earlier on. I saw that he was tinkering with a uh, Scotty Cameron uh, on the green. Was he? Yeah, that's been wildly reported. And there were some pictures there of him um, changing his own weights uh, on the Scotty Cameron. So 
Okay. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people said in the, last, you know, the last few weeks that uh, what could he do to improve his putting, and and some people said just just find a new relationship with a new putter and just have a go at that because try something new, um, yeah. try something different, and you know, jeepers in a in a sport where people have been known to come out in you know the second round and change putters, you know, there's nothing wrong with changing it. So if he finds that little confidence circuit breaker that he's been looking for, could be dangerous. But yeah, could be very dangerous. Yeah, then then, um, then you've got uh, Brooks and, and John Rahm. Now, where where, yeah. where do you sit on these two? If you had to pick a winner out of these two, where where where's your where are you lying? Brooks, Brooks, yeah, Brooks, because... major, and ah, uh, I mean, mate, he's he, yeah. Rocket said it a few times lately. Like he's back. Like the, the old Brooks is back. He's um he DGAF on anything else but majors, and and he he's been turning up and. Like yeah, he'll uh, he's going to be right in the mix. Um, I used him uh, at the PGA, so uh, if I could use him in the Teamster every every round, every major, I would. But um, but uh, yeah, he's got to be a, a red hot chance. I think yeah that his again, it's sort of like what I just said about Min Wu. I guess like his ability with the uh, to be creative around the around the greens. You know when he gets in trouble. And uh, getting up and down, and just some of the shots that he's able to just have a go at with that DGAF attitude. Um, yeah, DGAF is that what is that the right acronym? Thank, thank you. Yeah, D, D, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do not. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably separates him a little bit at the moment over over Mr. Rahm, but very hard to separate John Rahm. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean. You're talking like you, how do you separate Scotty, John, uh, Ram, and and Brooks, um, and you know not even including Cam Smith or like Victor Hovland's been playing incredible um, golf and training in the right way and um, to a win. Um, but I also, man, I also like Tommy. I think Tommy Fleetwood is um, is definitely uh, heading in the right direction. And a bumper week last week got. I mean, he, he had the chance to, to shut the door a couple of times and, and didn't do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that um, I'm, I'm sure that he's learning from that and uh, and and will be ready. But um, uh, this week, because yeah, I, it, he's just too good of a ball striker. Um, and if you need to be on the fairway and, and hitting greens, well, I think you'd back Tommy in. And his putting turned around last week, um, and uh, and he almost got it done. So. Okay, he'd still be on the, as much as I like Tommy, as I said before, he'd still be on the outsider's chance for me. But I, I, I would be looking still at that, you know. Rory's a little bit like Scheffler, you know, like he's he's playing pretty well, but not quite as good as and consistently as Scheffler, but his bad is still pretty good. Um, yeah. I guess the thing with Rory is, you know, sometimes you, it doesn't seem to know when it's going to come. Uh, you know, I don't know whether that's the right way to describe it. It's fairly fairly loose, but you know that wedge game yeah. and that sort of thing. You know, like it's just a little bit unpredictable, and maybe that might be the difference between those two and three shots that you know, he finds himself yeah. behind the likes of a Scotty Scheffler. Uh, but Rory Hovland and Fitzpatrick, for me, you know, the defending champion, I still wouldn't feature him out of the numbers. Um, yeah, playing really well, good player, solid, a little bit. Yeah, you know. Not, he's not like Cam Smith, but you know, I guess if there's anyone that says Cam Smith like in the in the rest of it's a little bit him, 
for me. Yep. I'll be happy yep. to be challenged on that. Uh, I, yep. and I don't. I, I like Fitzmagic. I really do like him. Um, what about Max Homer? Sorry. I was just going to say, mate, like two two local guys like Maxie and, and uh, Colin, I, I, went, I wanted to get your take on <clears throat> what do you think the home ground advantage, you know, how, how much does that play into it? I think Max Homer holds the course record here. and um, So that's got to feel comfortable for him. Well, I think they were all part of that Walker Cup team, were they not, that played here in 2017? Right. Scheffler, Max, yep. Colin. Um, and I think they've all got their own individual sort of hero performances from that Walker, Walker Cup that I'm pretty sure they dominated. Um, yeah, Sheffler, pretty average team. I think yeah. Sheffler do- dominated everyone. Max got the the the, uh, the all, all time course record. So I wouldn't put Max's too far away. He obviously likes the place. Um, you know, walks yeah, walks down the road a little bit like what we said about Adam. You know, performs well in this environment, um, in this terrain, and these conditions. Yeah. Um, so he'd be he'd be another one that I'd sort of put in that just slight, slightly outside a chance. You know, who we got Fitzpatrick. Um, who else we got there? Slightly outsiders. Who um, I'm going to put Fleetwood as that slightly outsider. <clears throat> Not a favourite yeah. for me. Homer. Where, where where have you got Victor? What did you say for Victor? Yeah, I'd say Victor is just in that slightly you know big chance, but yeah. not quite the leading chance of some of, of a Brooks, Scheffler, Rahm, Smith. Yeah, you know for me they're the they're the four four guys that yeah. are sort of going to be all about and the rest. Scotty, I hope Scotty does well. Um, yeah. Anyway, what else? Yeah. Any, any anyone else? Uh, who we got? They got the. Uh, it's a great field. Like obviously, we've got some of the. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great to watch the live <laughs> live players um, that are that are playing that are qualified. Phil, what about Phil? Phil, he's mm. got nothing. He's, he's plenty of swagger. He's been playing. Yeah, he'll be, <laughs> master, he'll be turning up with a fair bit of swagger, won't he? The Masters proved that he's still got some game in a major. Yep. Hi, semi-home turf for him. He's just from down yeah, the road. Yeah, I was going to you know. say he's a bit of a local boy, isn't yeah. he? So uh, I'm pretty sure he's, played, yeah. he's taken. He's pretty sure he's won and I don't maybe lost some cash playing for some with some big whales around uh, LACC in his journey. Um, I'm sure. I, I just I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but isn't he isn't he past his chance to win a US Open? Probably. Yeah, but people, people love the storyline. People have been talking about Phil a lot, yeah, pretty much based on that that Masters uh, Masters exposure that he got. So anyway, could could be could be could be something to watch. Um, who else? Yeah. Who else is in this, the the thing here from our in the field here from our favourites? So uh, we've got uh, Adrian Moronk. We love Adrian Moronk. He's in. Uh, Padraig Harrington. I always love when Padraig Harrington is playing a US <laughs> Open. Obviously. A major winner. I think he's a US Open major champion, is he not? Is he US? Did he win the US Open, or is it? Just, uh, yeah, I think he did, didn't he? Or is it just yeah. a British Open? Um, uh, or PGA? He won. I can't remember if, if which US um, major that he won. There's footage of him lifting a trophy, Roscoe. Yeah, there is footage of him lifting a trophy. somewhere. I think it's a PGA. Um, yeah, and a couple of a couple of uh, opens. Who else we got? Uh, Charlie Hoffman, uh, Herbie. Victor, Mackenzie Hughes, anyone else that stands out here is uh... Shane, Shane Shane Lowry um, could be interesting around here just to uh, I mean he's been you know hasn't had the best of seasons but um, uh, yeah um, uh, I love Shane no I love Shane he'll he'll play well he'll he'll reliably perform but he's not I, I if he's up there giving he... him no chance Roscoe no 
not okay. not zero chance, but just a low percentage. And that goes yep. against everything that I want to support the big Irishman for because I love him. Um, all of the Celtic boys, you know, uh, you know, include sort of Rory and that sort of Celtic um, vibe. Always going to yep. be a fan of and hope the best for them. Um, but I just don't think Shane, Shane will win. Mate, we haven't even talked about DJ. What about DJ? There you go. Why have we not? We see we're exiling the live players. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think so, but I'd love to see him play well. I think he will play well. I think he'll perform really well. Wouldn't be surprised to see him pushing right there at the end. Could he win? Yeah, possibly could. I put him in that outsiders bracket, not the uh, not the absolute contenders. Yep. There's a yeah, name. Fair yeah, enough. There's a name we haven't seen in a while, and I think he was a qualifier through Japan. Uh, Rio Ishikawa. Oh yeah. Rio's back in. Rio, well, there's a name that usually for me, you pop Rio up, you always pop another R name up there, Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler. Is Ricky Ricky an outsider? I saw, well, according to the power rankings, apparently he's like the number nine. So, I mean, I didn't, I don't know, he's been playing well, but uh, but yeah, I I didn't think that he was going to feature that heavily in it. Okay. I mean, it's just so many other strong names there, Roscoe. Like, uh, it's just so many guys that are, um, you know, ready to dominate, I think. Okay. So, who's your at now tip? Tommy? No, I'm I'm, I'm going to go Cam. Okay, Cam. Cam's your at now tip. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Brooks. I think if there was, uh, and I said this yep. before, and I've said this before, if there was a year that there was going to be a major champion that was going to win two times, it's potentially yep. this year. And it was either going to be Ram or Brooks on the balance yeah. of current form, feel, vibe, mojo, Southern California. I'm about to have a baby. I'm happy. I've got a lot of money and I've just, whatever's happening, Brooks. And I might be able to play the PGA Tour again. <laughs> and I'm back, baby. Um, no. Uh, I'm going to go Brooks. Yeah. Using yeah. what I've said in the past. I, I, honestly, if I if I hadn't used him already, I would use him. But, um, yeah. Good choice. Pretty sure I used him. Pretty sure I used him to win, actually. Um, Teepster, uh, Teepster, have you got the Teepster, your Teepster rankings there? You, I know you live and die by your Teepster performance. Yeah. Well, mate, not this year. Not this year. Last year I was crowing a bit, but uh, but yeah, not this year. Um, Let me. Just... I wonder, Roscoe. Like I wonder, I wondered if uh, if Mike's going to take it. You know, bit of a sabbatical. Is it? Does that include the data lake? Because if it does, I think a lot of people are uh, are worried. A lot of people are in trouble, mate. In the and there was already some messages. There was already some messages in the Discord. Um, where's Mike? Where's the? Are, yeah. we, are we still getting the lake, Mike? That's. Yeah. I, I know you're listening, and if you've listened this far, my, I'm an hour and twelve. We need the lake. We need the. We, we need the lake. Poor, poor old, poor old Lotsy's going to be left nowhere. He's going to have nothing to do all day with Karidi's not on uh, Teepster or, uh, or or on the Discord. Old Lotsy. Okay, let's talk about the Teepster. What do we got here? Um, don't forget to get your picks in. Uh, yes. This week. Uh, okay. So last week we had uh, no one picked the winner. Uh, 
No one picked the winner. No one picked Usually someone always picks the winner, but it's probably not surprising that uh, no one picked Nick Taylor, but plenty of people did. No, two people actually picked Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Sean yep. B and the Doctor, the Doctor. The Doctor. Yep, and uh, a great handful of people picked uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, mm-hmm. The notables that are up there at the point here and the golfing tattooist picked Tyrrell Hatton. Um, what are you? Are you Very f- good tattooist. Very good tattooist. Oh, uh, three putt or die. Is that yeah, you? Is that that's you? me. That's you. Three, yeah. three, I knew you were three, three putt or die. A couple of three putts in there. Three putt or die. Uh, Ed Hodge, yep. um, the uh, entrepreneur king around the uh, sauna blankets. He's the inventor of the sauna, the sauna blanket. Ed Hodge, young fellow from Mornington, made a squillion bucks nice. uh, punting sauna blankets um, to EPL teams and bloody. Oh, good on him. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, Ed. He's up there. Uh, who? Um, yeah. I, Ginger Ninja. Ginger Ninja. Also well picked the Terrell. Um, yeah. Anyway, I got 102000 bucks. Um, so Corey Connors, many. There was a few on Corey Connors and, uh, and, and Canadians, wasn't yep. there? Yep. Matt Fitzpatrick. Yep. Um, so that's tapes. So the rundown is Golfing Tattooist you just mentioned. So the reason why uh, Scott just said Golfing Tattoo was a great tattoo great tattoo artist is because Scott now bears some of a golfing tattooist artwork on his left calf. Right calf. Right, right calf, my apologies. And right um, yeah. it's a little little talking about your time spent in uh, Oregon. It's a little throwback to uh, your time in Oregon. Do you want to tell us what uh, the golfing tattooist, who is currently number one on the Teepster hit charts, do you, tell him yeah. what you were left with? Yeah, mate, he did a great job of um... – uh, I played a lot of golf at Bandon Dunes. I was very lucky um, to be able to go down to Bandon uh, multiple times and, and spend a bit of time there. And, um, and yeah, an old Mac, um, I think it's um, my second favourite course there. Uh, there's the very famous Ghost Tree. Um, and so, you know, Oregon, special place for me. And, and um, Bandon is, uh, is a, a, an amazing place to be be at and uh iconic tree it was just a good kind of way for me to um etch that that kind of place and time and moment and memories uh on the back of my right calf so yeah uh you know what that means that there's, mm-hmm. that there's space on the left calf for you to go and find yeah. your favorite place down at Barnboogle because everything that you described how you felt about uh Bandon I've not been there one day I'll get there that's how yeah myself and a lot of people feel after their visit to um, Barnboogle. So I'm, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure that there's room on the left calf for a little bit more action. I have to do it. Never been to Barnboogle. I've got to, I've got to get down there and keep, uh, I keep pestering the wife um, for the time off. But, yeah. Oh, sure, we can manage that. It's, it's, semi, it's work exploration. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, teeps. So golfing tattooist, golfers and attitude. That's Blakey. Uh, Jim J. I don't know who yep. Jim J. Is my apologies to you, Jim J. Uh, KT. That's Carl Tiamanis, uh, young fella from Mount Eliza, and then uh, myself rounding out the top five. Hoops seventy eight, number six. Um, Shenry S. Henry, number seven. The, um, yep. DB Golf uh, the doctor, and Lota rounding out the top ten. It's looking like it's. Well, anything could happen after this week, but it's still fairly yeah. close. It's still fairly close. There's only seven hundred thousand in it between first and fifth. That's not a lot of money. Um, anyway, that's, no. that's Teepster. All right, mate. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's just cover off a bit of a bit of the blow from that's continued on from last week. So, yeah, just I'll I'll open up on last week and you know the podcast that we did with. Um, 
the guy from flushing it and just to put a bit of context around that because I did get some pushback on that, a couple of bits of commentary, um, one from yourself, Scott, and one from another yep. listener from Dan and Tassie. Uh, the one, the other one that I got was a little bit more didn't didn't like the negative tone that um, was taken in that podcast by um, Tom from Flushing It. You know, he was obviously very live-sided and that was the only side. And, you know, he was quite critical of Jay Monaghan. He was quite critical of everything. And, was, and for me, uh, what was discussed in that podcast was a summation of many of the the storylines that had been portrayed in the 48 hours since the announcement of the PIF DP World Tour, um, PGA Tour uh, uh, alignment. So yeah. I, I didn't have a problem at the time. Yeah, he was hard on Rory um, and I've been hard on Rory and Rory's sort of stance, but, you know, I'm also respectful of Rory because Rory's stood up time and time again for the PGA Tour and even in the face of being made to look like a bit of a fool, um, yeah. still still stood up for his beliefs and the PGA Tour and, you know, why it shouldn't be easy for these live guys to come back. So you can only respect Rory for that. Um, not everyone mm-hmm. agrees with that sentiment, you know, that people should should be made um, people on the, on that tour should be made um, made good with monetary etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah. you have to respect Rory for doing that. So we got a bit of blowback that you know it's a bit negative on the whole Rory thing. It was a bit one sided. I, I guess I wanted to say that I knew that it was going to be live sided. And what I was hoping or was for that, and maybe we can do it now. But you know, I was hoping that with Mike and and Rocket um, that we could come down and and get together and just let those guys talk about their side because they've been very open about their support for the PGA tour and their lack of interest in the form of golf that live golf is. And so I sort of, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm not going to say it backfired because it's still, fortunately one of the most um, downloaded episodes that we've had this year, obviously it's yeah. a topical, topical conversation, but more people downloaded that than any other episode that we've had in a long time. So, at some point, you yeah. know, I could say selfishly for the benefit of the podcast, and it's obviously found a few new ears. Um, that's a positive, but yeah, you know, you know, on the back <laughs> of that, Mike sort of decided I just, I just don't want to get talking about live and PGA tour for the next few weeks, so I'll just have a break from it. Absolutely respect that, but there's been there's been a lot more that's that's come out. You know, Jeepers Weepers, there's going to be a Senate inquiry into um into the business yeah. dealings between the organisations. And uh, I don't know the name of the senator. He's one of the senators who represents the uh, that part of the, the board in the Senate um, that's, that's yeah. called for this inquiry. So it's not – it's not obviously not over, and there's so much happening. Yeah. You know, Roscoe, I think, um, you know, my take on this whole thing, and I, I know that that's not why, you know, we're on here or I'm on here, but um, the – You're on here. Uh, You're on here. You can the, say what you want. The, the biggest – the biggest disappointment I think through this whole thing is like how divided the community is and how viciously one-sided, like the very, very far extremes I say of either side are about it. And by the way, I don't put Mike in that, that, um, that box, you know, I've had lots of conversations with Mike where, you know, I think his view on, on live is, um, is pretty balanced on the facts and you know, what, what, 
the the the, bit, the most frustrating thing to see is that a lot of the stuff that is spewed out on Twitter is not based in fact. It's all based in, you know, hearsay and speculation. And, you know, it was funny hearing Tom from Flushing, Flushing it say, uh, he made a comment about it, like, hey, you know, speculation's just like, there's no point, you know, it's just speculation. Kind of made me laugh at the time because, oh, mate, like you, that, that's one account that speculates quite a lot. I mean, I think he's got quite a few inside tips, and you know, he knows more than the average. But, um, you know, the the whole uh, the the different kind of narratives from either side that is not based in fact; it's just based in what I think. You know, that means, and what is, and, and if that happens, then that'll happen, and if that happens, well, then surely this will happen. Um, you know, it's, it's just—it's not doing anyone any good. Um, uh, yeah, like you said, I provided some feedback on that flushing, uh, flushing it pod. I mean, I thought um, my only feedback was like, "Hey, let's get a good." Maybe it would have been good to have some balance um, in the conversation. And but, but you know, that's. But I also, what I love about this my love golf community is that um, you, you know you can provide your point of view. And and you're in a like a safe space um, to be able to do that, and you know everyone's point of views can be different, and that's okay. Like it, it would just it, it's just golf, you yeah. know. We're just talking about golf, and um, and I I don't think you did the wrong thing putting that podcast up, um, uh, but you know because um, there's there's been a lot of balance on the other side, like in previous podcasts from Rocket and from um, and from Mike and and yourself, so. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, um, uh, didn't agree with a lot of the stuff he was saying, but um, and and feel like a lot of the tone of what he's saying um, fuels a lot of the division um, that also happens on the other side. So yeah, it's um, he he was, uh, he's he's funny. He was fairly pointed. Yeah, I'm fairly. He was very pointed um, and very direct and controversial and confrontational in his, the way that he approached it. And yeah, that's, that's fine. You know, we had Blakey there. Now the reason why I got Blakey to, to discuss last week is because I wanted to give a young fella who works for the organization that was in question here. Um, yeah, you know, he's not just a fan, you know, he's, he pays his mortgage by doing work for one of the organizations. I can't get, someone from the PGA Tour. I can't get uh, a Jeff Shackelford or anyone like that to talk about it, but I've got Blakey who earns his living from the organisation. So that's, you know, fairly yeah. fairly close to home. Uh, and I just thought that I wanted to give Blakey the opportunity to, to talk. Um, obviously, you know, his views were very much aligned to, to Tom. So it was a, a little bit of a, not a 2v1, but, um, you know, yeah. they I think they fed each other's um, enthusiasm for the topic. Um, has any, you know, I did, uh, I, I did like Tom, Tom tweeted it out. Um, and by the way, he didn't tag you or, or put a link to the podcast or sort of thing, but, um, I, he, but he did say that he, he had a, uh, so he did call Blake, I think a direct, you know, direct from the source. I think he said he was hearing about live. He, he did share, uh, he did share the link to the podcast. Um, yeah, cause I'm, I know it got viewed many, many times on, on that uh, Twitter and retweeted a few times, so, which yep. which I thanked him for privately. Um, have you heard anything, any, you know, discussion points since that you 
that you did like the sound of that you thought, yeah, I, I can see why that person's point makes sense and I subscribe to it. Because for me, you know, I've listened to Shipnut, Shackleford, Ogilvy, Donegan, plus all of the other, yep. everything that's been put out by any Australian. Um, and it still seemed to be, you know, different points of view, different, I think, you know, if you think yeah. that if you think that Jay Monaghan's going to be the boss, and you know Yasser Al Ramian's not going to pull the strings, well, you're crazy. And then I yeah. hear you, know, no, this gives a clear line of of division that the PGA Tour will have the majority voting rights on the board, and Monaghan will have the ability to, you know, after evaluation of all of the commercial assets, decide what they do with them, i.e., yep. can live, and um and just become PGA Tour supercharged because the PIF has tipped in all this money. Yeah. Where, yeah where's the balance in that? And these are, these, are, these are the global golf journalists that we all look and subscribe to and, and preach towards every week. Yep. Yeah, totally. I, I, I really like um, – I like Shipnuck's um, pretty kind of neutral position on it. Um, and some, you know, that might sound a little funny to, to someone if you kind of read headlines or whatever. But if you really listen to what he says, uh, you might not agree with, um, you know, his take on like who's going to be in control. But I think like he's got a pretty balanced and neutral take on it. Um, but then I also liked how Jeff Ogilvy was approaching it and saying, hey, I choose to think this way about it. I choose to kind of put my mindset into like the positive space of, Hey, this is good for golf. And, you know, um, yeah, like all of the really good things will, will come from it. And, um, it's a win-win for everybody. I think, um, uh, yeah, by the sounds of it, no one really wanted to go to court. Um, uh, you know, they weren't going to let the chairman get deposed. Um, they weren't going to, uh, and, and the PGA tour, probably realise that they can't keep up with the money that it's going to cost them to, you know, that the, the Saudis will keep it in court and keep, you know, dry their money up. Um, and and really all the PIF wanted, this is my take on it, is is a seat at that table and it's to be part of the conversation. Um, exactly the way they've done with those other sporting bodies and organisations, they're fully funding them and, and fully um, invested in them, but uh, they don't have a big say in F1. I think Jeff used the great example of uh, the horse racing industry in Australia. Like they, they own almost all of it, um, but they, but they, they keep, they keep out of it. You know, they let the, the, the professionals run it. They're just invested in it, and I think they just wanted that doorway into, you know, Western business. And 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 the PGA Tour is a huge doorway into into corporate America. So, um, you know, I, I honestly, I personally don't think they that he cares too much for live. Um, um, what, what do I know? I know nothing, but my, like my read on it is that, um, Liv was a disrupt, a disruptor and, uh, and, and they just wanted to, that, you know, through that doorway. But having said that, Roscoe, like, I think there's a lot of really good things about Liv. Um, you know, I, I think I've got a pretty balanced view on it all as well. And, um, I love team golf. Uh, I never played it, but, um, I loved watching it. I've gotten right into um, into watching it, I think that uh, there's a bunch of aspects to um, live that make it really attractive to a certain audience. Um, I think there's there's definitely space for both, and what that looks like. Ho hopefully, this is what they're working out, um, mm. where we can have 
all of the best guys playing in that team concept as a bit of hit and giggle T20 um, and, and let, let the serious guy and, and then, and then they come back and play the serious, uh, you know, PGA tour, four rounds, cut, blah, 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 all of that stuff, like the traditional stuff, test cricket. I think that there's, there's definitely room for both. Like I would watch both. Would you, so you would, you would be a fan of a, you know, let's just call it PGA tour season that included a for a, Format for team and events, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And and I'd also and I'd also watch the TGL. You know, like I think that there's space for yep. all of it. Um, and uh, I know that probably not a lot of like you know the general golf population, let's say membership population. Why I don't know why membership, but the older population. I put myself in that bracket would really want to watch screen golf and these guys playing screen golf. But like, I think kids are going to love it. And I, and I think it's going to open up the game to uh, a lot more consumers and people playing the game. And, you know, golf Australia talks a lot about like all golf is golf and, and in being, including everyone, like if you played putt putt once, well, Hey, you're a golfer and we include you in our, yeah. you know, community. Well, well, and, I, and I think that's only a good thing. I've, I've been part of that, you know, being a, a big swing golf franchisee, you know, we've supported a lot of golf Australia events, um, women in golf, uh, event recently. Um, some of the get into golf, uh, events, you know, we've been one of the, the venues that have, have, you could elect to go and do, um, their programs. Um, uh, they've helped fund that by providing um, funding for coaches in, in store and venue and that sort of thing. So, yeah, they very much subscribe to all golfers golf. I think, you know, we saw a little bit of a snippet of how that sort of stage golf environment might work when they had uh, the teams at Top Golf, you know, playing shots and you know those yep. team versus team, and you, you know you get a little bit more up close and you get a little bit more out of the people that are playing the, the personalities. And and yeah, we know from um, you know playing screen golf when Mike and I were doing it down in the store, how how entertaining and fun it can be and you know we video recorded that there's three holes of us playing it it's you can see that with prof the professionals doing it and professional people and professional production that they can really package up something that's exciting um you know the, yeah. the, the simulator technology is fantastic they're using they're going to be using full swing golf simulators so the sim tech is great um stadium you know in a stadium with the crowds watching it'd be great uh I was going to say, I, I've been spending a bit of time sort of just doodle jotting some notes and they're not formalized enough to, to go through it in detail. But, you know, mm. I've been having some fun sort of mapping out a, somewhat of a schedule, um, not so much in detail in the in the, the season of the PGA Tour season, but, you know, let's just assume that they're going to have a defined season, whether it starts in January, finishes in August, for example. Um Let's say that's a t season, and in that season there is the majors, the uh, historical events, elevated events, and a team yeah. a team golf format. So let's assume that that exists in there. Then, then we've all got this beef around, you know, these players not coming to other parts of the world. Now the PJ Tour being very um, uh, buoyant and putting money into the uh, PIP Player Incentive Program. Why not have a why not have a um, a, a southern hemisphere season? So give them all a month. Give them all a month or two off after the the August season, August September off. Southern hemisphere. We move into um, summer down here in South Africa, 
Australia. And yep. there's a system where, you know, these better, these players need to commit to some of these home of opens and bigger events in the Southern Hemisphere. And it's part of their part of their pip, it's part of their commitment. You know, I like if you're a Herbie and you're on a PGA tour, you know, you've got to play in your home uh, designated events. So they're aligned to the PGA tour, they're aligned to the DP World Tour and all that sort of thing. You've got to play in them. Yep. But if you're yep. if you're a Rory or some of these other players, yeah, you've got to you've got to play in you've got to nominate and play in some of them. Yeah, maybe not yep. all, but you've got to play. And I, I'm trying to think of the downsides for the players, you know, like what happens in you know, people are going to say, oh, here he goes talking about soccer or another sport again. But look what happens. You know, the the EPL, all of the major leagues in soccer have just finished. You know, the Champions League's just wound up. And now we're already talking about Tottenham Hotspur and West Ham are coming down to Perth to play Perth Glory. Yeah. They're two of the biggest clubs, you know, in the world. And they're coming down yeah. here in their off-season to Australia. It's no, it's sort of like that, you know. They're coming. It's it's a bit different. It's an it's a preseason. It's a warm up. Maybe yeah. this, maybe this this these guys will see. You know, they've had a couple of months off. If they get their couple of months off, that they can use this southern hemisphere swing with all of these events that they've got. There's some allocation of, you know, you've got to go and do some of these events, guys, or, or you're not yeah. going to get any of the piff. Uh, pip, yep. sorry, Pip, Pip. The Pip, yeah. you know, it's part of the Pip, pip either. Yeah. Um, you've got to go and do them. And that's part of their schedule as they warm back up into getting ready for January, getting, you know, a couple of few tournaments under their belt. It's got to be yeah. somewhat attractive if it's linked yeah. into the but, overall scenario. That they've got to figure out um, how to keep it global. If yeah. Liv really was, you know, supposed to be global, which, like, it wasn't, um, which you know, it was a disappointing factor for me. Like, yeah, okay, they had an incredible event here in Australia and um, they played some overseas events, but the large majority of them were in the, U in the US. So, um, but, you know, make that live tour or whatever it's called or looked like, truly the global team's um, tour. Uh, you know, maybe you, are, you, you do use that as the, the global arm. A um, little bit different to what you're saying, but... Um, uh, but yeah, like hey, if there's a way to get um, <clears throat> those guys to commit to play two or three national opens a year outside of their own home one, um, I, that, that's, that's got to be good for golf. I'm worried, Roscoe, that uh, the PGA Tour won't won't do that. You know, like it'll it'll stay US centric, and that'll be for me like that'll be a downside if it goes that way. Um, I, but, I, I said, uh, I said yeah. that too, and you know, like you know, we're talking about. Um, you know, in the Discord, having a whack at the at uh, the PGA of Australia, you know, that, uh, I'm not short of having sort of being not critical, but you know, I think they can do. Or I think everyone can always do more. Uh, yeah, uh, I think Golf Australia can do more. I think PGA of Australia can do more. I don't know anything about these organisations. It's just an observational. Um, you know, when you look at it at a sort of level down from the normal punter, um, I think mm. they can do more. Um, yeah, but I pretty much sort of get the vibe that the PJ of Australia are very happy to do the best as they can in Australia to provide as much talent um, opportunities to get access to these bigger stages through the pathways that you know are afforded in Australia. Doesn't yeah. sound like it's necessarily looking like bring the hey bring the PJ Tour events down here and some of many of your big names and let our guys play alongside them down here and see how they go. 
doesn't mm. sound like that. No, unfortunately, it doesn't. I mean, you, you know, I think uh, again, I'm a total outsider, right? Like, I'm just a golf consumer, so yeah, we, I don't, I don't yeah. know more than the average. But, but what I notice is that the PGA Golf Australia, um, you know, have been doing quite a bit. Like, and and I know that's not what you were particularly saying, but uh, you know, I think they've got to get credit for the, the last summer of golf and um, and some of the events that they put on and and the effort, you know on the party hole, love it or, or not, um, up in Queensland there, they're, they're doing stuff. Like they're, they're not sitting on their hands. They're, they're doing a lot. Everyone can do more, mm. of course. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think they're they're off the couch and they're doing a lot. Yep. Yeah. Look, James Sutherland has, was very quick to come out after the first Australian Open with the mixed field and acknowledge that it wasn't perfect. It was great for the game great for Australian golf you know it combined up the properties that we have in the men's and the women's game as attractive for sponsors in the one event so you know it's crazy to think that we can spread sponsorship out over two events and think that there's all this money to sponsor uh, both men's and women's golf independently because it's just not the yep. appetite for sponsorship there so to package it up as, as one entity was smart but they acknowledge, yeah. they acknowledge the fact that you know it probably needed to change and they've made those changes going into um the australian open this year made the changes to the cut yeah. the size of the yep. women's field the men's field and that sort of thing so you know yep. absolutely they've then they continue to do more and do better and um and hopefully that continues to be the driving force between uh, of that organization to being the best players and best opportunities for the players in Australia. Yeah, I don't totally. know. All seems like a bit of a rant. Uh, what else? <laughs> Any, anything else there, uh, mate? You know, it's, it's just a general chat there. I was very yeah. unstructured, that chat, but uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that podcast, yeah. why it came about, and I acknowledge that it wasn't perfect for many of the listeners who you know want more balance. The idea and the intention was right from my end. The execution, you know, I'll say that it worked. I'll say that it didn't work. I'll say that it didn't work for some, um, but it is what it is. I can't take it back and can't change it. And, um, you know, I think uh, everyone heard from from Tom. And, and I just want to say yep. again, the reason why I spoke to Tom is because when I, when I knew that that account had a person behind it and a real person who was passionate about the game and loved golf and clearly loved golf and has gone to great efforts to, you know, create something. Um, yep. And when I saw him talk to Bryson uh, and I listened to that interview and, he interviewed pretty well, so I thought maybe he wants to give me some time. Yep, and that was that yeah. was that was the idea behind it. Um, but it wasn't Jeff Shackelford or you know, Alan Shipnuck or any any one of those level of quality. It was it was, it was Tom from Flushing it, mate. Uh, yeah, and you know, Roscoe, like we don't always have to agree, right? Like we, we don't always have to agree with uh, with the, the the points of view or whatever, or you, you know. So hey, um, all good. I think. Um, you know, this forum's here to, to hear all different points of view and, and you did that and, um, you know, some didn't agree with it and that's okay. I didn't agree with it. I didn't like the guy, but, uh, but you know, that's okay. I'll listen to your next one. <laughs> you did say that. I loved it. He said, can I give you some feedback and can we still be friends if I give you feedback? I was like, yes, <laughs> please. Thank you. Uh, 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 Scott, uh, how, was that for, how was that for you? Yeah, well... <laughs> Just uh, let me get a drink of water here, Ross. <laughs> no, that was great, mate. Hey, thanks very much for having me on. And, um, and yeah, happy to kind of help out and fill the void um, uh, this week. And, um, 
yeah, just uh, it's been good fun. That's for sure. No, and I appreciate you were very, very quick. Um, once you realised that Mike was having a break, you knew that I'd be sitting back going, what the hell am I going to do now? I, I can't talk to myself. So you're very, very kind of you to stick your hand up and, and want to have a chat. And uh, it's been an hour and 40 worth of chat. So um, I really do appreciate your support. And uh, it means a lot to me, and I'm sure it's going to mean a lot to the listeners who continue to hear another very interesting, very knowledgeable and passionate voice about the game of golf. You love golf, I love golf, and that's why we're here, because we love golf. Mate, I appreciate it, and um, I thank you. Thanks, Roscoe. Cheers, mate. Hey, everyone, thanks for listening in. Uh, If you want to help the podcast grow, you can like, share, subscribe. You can do other things. Just tell someone that uh, there's a couple of great guys here talking about golf and they seem like they're great fellas and golf nuts. So uh, share the podcast with them and uh, you'll help the podcast grow. Until then, we'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast.